it's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Synergy Connection Show, where we try each and every week as we do our shows to help people understand how complex we are as human beings. So we have a psychological side, an emotional component there. We have an intellectual side. We have a physical side and we have a spiritual side. Um, If you're not feeling 100%, then it's really hard to get the other three to kind of work together. So I do focus a lot on the physical well-being. And if you go to the website, synergyconnectionradio.com, you're going to see a link to Boomer Products. And Boomer Products, I believe, is how I've stayed healthy over the last probably seven years. I just recently had my physical and my inflammation rate is now 0.01. So my doctor looked at me and go, You know, you have no inflammation going on. So basically, I have stopped aging. And anybody who wants to stop aging out there, this is a good way to do it, is to keep your inflammation level down really, really low, because then you're not burning up your telomeres. Um, The other aspect is um, I actually had to put a little bit of a pause button on my D3, because um, my D3, which is, by the way, your level of immunity, how, how well you do against bacteria and viruses and things of that nature. Mine is sitting at 103 and you really want it to be um, above 70. But once you get close to that 100 mark, you know, you're going to be able to fight off almost anything. And so that's a simple procedure of using vitamin D as in dog three. Uh, Wherever you want to get it is fine. But if you do decide to get it at Boomers, ours um, is a 5,000 international units each time you take a little one. And so I'm using only 5,000 now for the longest time I was using two of them at 10,000. So you do wanna know that number if you go to your doctor's office and just say, hey, I want some labs run and I want a C-reactive protein run and I want a D3 run. And you also need to ask for iron. I'm finding out that a lot of Alzheimer's and dementia is created because you have too much iron in your system and it collects in the brain. Actually, they're doing some amazing research at Mount Sinai, Harvard, uh, places like that, because we have so much dementia and Alzheimer's increasing. And it's probably for a lot of different reasons that I won't go into at this point, but the research um, is showing that one of the culprits is iron. So find out what your iron level is because you might be, Uh, surprised to find out that you have a little bit too much. If you do, the best way to reduce it is actually phlebotomies, you know, and just go donate blood, except this time they're going to pitch it because they don't want to give your blood to somebody else who maybe also has a lot of iron in their system. So a phlebotomy, they just take your blood and say bye-bye to it. All right. So I have as a returning guest with me today, Mark Anthony, And Mark is a fourth generation psychic medium who communicates with those that have passed over. And we're going to be talking about reincarnation today. And I believe personally in reincarnation. I know that I have experienced 
deja vus, maybe you want to call it that. I don't know where I, I know that waterfalls are very meaningful to me. And I think I was Native American in upstate New York around a waterfall. Um, I know I've had a past life reading done where I was in Nova Scotia. So it'll be fun to talk to Mark about what he has experienced. So welcome back to the show, Mark. Thank you, Lucy. It's always a pleasure to be here. And this is a great topic. And I'm really glad that you shared what you just said about uh, the waterfalls and how you identify with those as emanating from a prior life, because that's one of the, I don't want to call it a symptom, but let's call it an indicator. People that are drawn to particular periods of time, or perhaps you have a phobia that doesn't have an explanation. Like maybe some people are terrified of going near the water may indicate in a prior life they had been drowned. Sometimes people will have amazing talents um, that, where did they get this? For example, like Mozart composed his first song at age four. I mean, wh where, where did this come from? You see, and, and then there are people that will have dreams um, of of a reoccurring nature of a time and a place that doesn't correspond with anything in this world. And then, of course, there are the, the memories and the associations. And so for you, the association of a waterfall, and of course, everybody likes waterfalls and they're nice, but you um, identify that with Native Americanism. And for Native Americans, waterfalls have a sacred significance. So what a great way to start this episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, there are a lot of times when I have awakened in the middle of the night with a picture or a name. I've even researched names to find out, well, why did I get this name in a dream? And then I find out, you know, locations and that it might have had something to do with me in the past in another lifetime. So I know that um, not everybody believes in reincarnation, but um, like you said, Mozart, some artist, um, a lot of uh, people who have definite talents and skills, and they have them at such a young age, and they're just there. You know, they just magically are there. It, they are. And there's so much evidence now in support of reincarnation. And reincarnation comes from a Latin word, which means like into the flesh again. Because, uh, you know, carn is, you know, carn, like carnivores. Like when you were talking about um, the iron being mm -hmm. connected to Alzheimer's, I, I have to throw my two cents worth in. The country in the world with the lowest incidence of Alzheimer's and dementia is India. And India is a primarily vegetarian country. Uh -huh. and in the West, we eat a lot of beef and animal proteins that are very high in iron. So I find that very interesting. And uh -huh. also India, if we're going to talk about reincarnation, it's hard not to talk about <laughs> India. <laughs> Exactly. Because, I mean, I know they believe in it 100%. And, you know, for them, death is not, it doesn't hold the same sadness, if you will, that it does here in the States, uh, or maybe in other countries, because we know we're going to be with 
our loved ones again. And it's not a matter of whether you're going to heaven or hell. It's a matter of when you connect on the other side, they're going to be there. Your animals are going to be there. Um, so anything that was in a loving relationship with you or in a relationship of, of some sort, most likely they're there. And we seem to come back in groupings almost. It's it's like one of the individuals that was with me in Nova Scotia is with me in this lifetime. As, in fact, two of them are with me in this lifetime. Um, but um, one was a cleric in Nova Scotia. And um, he was the brother of the man who I date in this lifetime. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that fascinating? <laughs> so well, my understanding is that of the people that we're going through this life with, think of them as the cast of a play. They're they're the cast of 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 characters, the actors. And in each lifetime, you're just playing different roles, but you right. go through it uh, together. And traditionally, people think of of reincarnation as purely a Hindu or a Buddhist concept. You know, so in, in East Asian, uh, Hinduism being the chief religion of, of India, and uh, Buddhism, of course, uh, being found in parts of India, but also in Southeast Asia. And at one time, China was all Buddhist until, you know, Mao and, and uh, his crowd ruthlessly suppressed it. But all the major religions have their basis, their roots in reincarnation. This is part of human history. And I've spent my life studying different aspects. You know, as a medium, I'm, I'm vastly interested in different theological aspects of things. Also, as an attorney, I'm always on the look for the evidence. And if you look in the Hasidic sect of Judaism and the Kabbalah, there's a passage in the book of Job that Naked from my mother's womb, I, I came, and naked I shall return. And there's a lot of scholars who think that that's a reference to reincarnation. But it gets even cooler when you look at Jacob's Ladder. Now, Jacob's Ladder is one of the most fascinating passages in, in uh, <clears throat> the Torah, or what, what Christians would call the Old Testament. And Jacob... Um, he was on a journey, and he stopped, and he you know, was very tired. He laid down, used a rock for his pillow, and then he has this transcendent dream where he sees this ladder going to heaven. And on the ladder are um, a tremendous number of angels going to and from. They're like going uh, to heaven, recirculating back from heaven, back and forth. Now, there have been so many interpretations of this particular passage. In fact, um, this has been examined not just by Hebrew and Christian scholars, but also by Hindu and Buddhists. And one of the interpretations is that the uh, sojourn of the angels in this unending procession is representative of the eternal cycle of life, that we are spirits that come from heaven come to our material world and then return to heaven and then come back. And so I think this is really, really fascinating. Then when we get into the New Testament, there is another extremely fascinating passage. But before I go any further, 
a lot of people, particularly those who take a literal interpretation of the Bible. And, and what I'm bringing up today, I'm not here to offend anybody, and I know Lucy isn't. Uh, we are here discussing, discussing this. I do not take a literal interpretation of the Bible. Um, some of it has very, very um, clear historical accuracy, but I believe it should be taken metaphorically. I mean, think about it. Jesus taught by using parables, parables mm -hmm. or metaphors. Most of the great uh, spiritual teachers, Buddha taught with metaphors. Um, metaphors are a story that's not necessarily true, but it, it gives us a very powerful lesson. And in the early Christian era, um, in the third century AD, okay, Christianity did not have an authoritative text, and there were different um, branches of Christianity. And in Alexandria, Egypt, and Alexandria was the wealthiest and most important city in the Mediterranean world. You know, Rome may have been the imperial capital of the Roman Empire, but it was Alexandria. That's Think of Alexandria as New York City and think of ancient Rome as Washington, D.C., okay? Um, <laughs> Athens, because of their scholarly, they would be Boston, okay? So if you think about it like that, you know, in today's terms, and there was a, a Christian bishop and a philosopher, Origen, O-R-I-G-E-N, Origen of Alexandria. And he was a very well-respected theologian. And what he wrote was that we all go through a succession of lifetimes, and even Satan eventually will ascend to the kingdom of God. So in the earliest forms of Christianity, reincarnation was part of a major sector of Christianity. But then, and I don't mean to, to give a history lesson, but it's hard to discuss this without getting into the history. The Roman Empire basically uh, controlled every country that bordered the Mediterranean. But by the year 476, the western half collapsed. The eastern half, which we now call the Byzantine Empire, because the capital of the empire was moved to Constantinople. Now, why was it moved to Constantinople? Well, while it was still one big, somewhat happy empire, the Roman Emperor Constantine defeated all of his rivals and seized power. When I went to Catholic school, we were taught that Constantine was the first Christian emperor of Rome, and he's a good guy, and he's Saint Constantine. Well, as I got into college and started studying Saint Constantine, there was very little about him that was saint-like. Number one, he was he was a very good general, crushed all of his rivals, but he was also an extremely paranoid personality, he had most of the people in his family executed for treason because he was afraid they were going to murder him and try to seize power. But then he was also very clever. He was not a Christian. He still kind of hung on to the old pagan beliefs, but he saw that by this time, nobody was really believing in the gods on Mount Olympus. I mean, that was kind of a joke. And most of the people in the empire were turning to Christianity because it was more uplifting. It was all about peace and love and understanding. But then he sent his mother, Helena, to Judea on a pilgrimage. And St. Helena finds the one true cross, the cross Jesus was, was um, 
was crucified on. Now, this is around the year 330 AD. So this is three plus centuries after Jesus has, has died and according to Christians, ascended and reincarnated, um, excuse me, uh, resurrected. Okay, so let's look at what really happened. Constantine, the most powerful man in the world, sends his mother Helena, who was a Christian, to Judea. Do you think she ended up there by herself? Of course not. This is the emperor's mother. So she would have taken a fleet of ships. She would have had her personal servants. That had been at least 100 people. Of course, she would have to have protection. So there had to be at least 2,000 Roman soldiers with her. Then when she lands in Judea, um, she's taken to Golgotha, the site where Jesus, according to, to tradition, was, was crucified. All right. There was at least two Roman legions stationed in Judea. So that means at, um, most of them would have been there. And then, of course, all the dignitaries and people. So this means about 20,000 people would have been there when she's on Golgotha. And I can see the local officials a little to the left, your majesty. Oh, start to dig. Oh, look, it's the one true cross. And so now she finds the one true cross. Now, I know there's a lot of people get bent out of shape when, when I say things like this, but why did Constantine do this? Now his mother found the one true cross, and from that point on, when you see depictions of Constantine and his mother, they take on a spiritual significance. Meanwhile, Constantine ordered the Council of Nicaea. Nicaea is a city which is in modern-day Turkey. And Constantine moved the capital of the Roman Empire from Rome to Byzantium, which is in modern, which is modern-day Istanbul, but changed its name to Constantinople, the city of Constantine. And, and uh, this was going to be his new capital. And um, and he was he wanted relics there. And the one true cross gave him a spiritual legitimacy. So at the Council of Nicaea, he ordered a new, um, the new religion had to have an authoritative text. And so the Bible did not come into existence until over 300 years after the death of Jesus. And so the Old Testament, it was decided by all the Christian bishops, would, would be the Torah, um, which, you know, the, the books of Moses— and then the New Testament was a compilation of records and the Gospels and the letters of Paul, and they were all edited. Now, why am I telling you this? Well, the imperial decree was that Constantine, emperor of the Romans, was now God's vice regent on earth. So Constantine wrote himself in as the equal of the apostles, and then when he's depicted with his mother— she is taking on the role of Mary, the mother of God's representative. So this was a very, very savvy political ploy. But the Fifth Ecumenical Council, which, um, excuse me, so, so this was the Council of Nicaea. The problem is there was still belief in reincarnation at the time, but it's not a problem. It was just part of it. Then 200 years later, the eastern half of the empire is now known as the Byzantine Empire. The western half has collapsed to German invasions. And the fifth 
Ecumenical Council was ordered by the Emperor Justinian, Justinian the Great. And he was another very savage and warlike, but extremely intelligent man. And at the Fifth Ecumenical Council, reincarnation was banned as heresy. And here's why. Because the emperor was the equal of the apostles, God's vice regent on earth. And if you disobeyed the empire and the laws of the emperor, you would be cast into eternal damnation of fire and brimstone. So it was a fear tactic by the Roman Byzantines to get rid of any idea of salvation other than imperial control over it. But they missed a few passages in the Bible, because at the Fifth Ecumenical Council, a new version of the Bible came into existence. So they missed Jacob's Ladder, they missed the passage from Job, and then they missed in the New Testament the Transfiguration. And this is one of the most incredible passages in the Bible. In the Transfiguration, Lucy, Jesus takes a select group of disciples to the top of a mountain. He begins to glow white. A mist forms around them, and the prophet Elijah and then Moses appear on either side of him. Understandably, the disciples are really overwhelmed. And then they go down to the bottom of the mountain. And what's fascinating about this, when you read about what's known as physical mediumship, Physical mediumship, if they're, if it's legitimate, and I've yet to see one that's legitimate. Most of them, I think, are a bunch of hoaxes. But they talk about a white mist forming, and the mist um, forms the images of the, the spirits who are communicating. So this is a very, very high level of mediumship. Um, the Christian churches don't like it to be discussed that way, but that's, you know, when you analyze it from a spiritualist point of view— um, this is what, what that is. But Jesus then asks his disciples, who do they say that I am? And the response is, well, some say that you are the prophet Elijah returned, and others say that you are John the Baptist. And Jesus says to them, Elijah has returned, but they did not recognize him, for he appeared in the form of John the Baptist. Well, John the Baptist was Jesus's first cousin who was executed by Herod Antipas. We've all heard about Salome dancing for the perverted Herod Antipas. And, oh, you can have anything you want. She wants uh, John the Baptist's head on the platter. Um, but Elijah lived 800 years before Jesus and his cousin, John the Baptist. Elijah has already returned, but they didn't recognize him because he was John the Baptist. And you see progressive Christian scholars, Hindu scholars, and Buddhist scholars believe that this is a passage about Jesus directly discussing reincarnation that the Fifth Ecumenical Council missed. Also, it, it all the, that passage has tremendous significance because Jesus, by bringing forth the prophets Moses and Elijah, Moses the bringer of the law, Elijah the the um the executor of the law and Jesus the embodiment of the law so cutting that out was a a very difficult political decision anyway i know that was a very lengthy discussion but people need to understand that in the early centuries not years centuries 
let's say between the end of the first century AD, because that's when Luke and that's when the Gospels were written, and they were written a generation or two after Jesus's death, all the way up to the mid 500s, many, many Christians believed reincarnation as part of the Christian belief system. So what is it that makes people so fearful of the concept of reincarnation? That, to me, it would. It, I think it brings you joy. I mean, the whole idea—you know—you yeah. get to all of a sudden you die, and there's Saint Peter going, "Well, you were good, you go into heaven, or you were bad, and ding, down you go right to you know <laughs> burning fire pits." And look, I got a whole explanation on where hell came from too, but that would take up you know some time, and it is very fascinating. But um, what it is, traditional Christianity has been so against it because they feel. Uh, the, the the people who dominate Christianity feel that it takes their control away from them. You know, in other words, God keeps giving you chances to come back and come back, just like in Jacob's ladder. Um, there should be no fear about reincarnation at all, because in in all the work that I do, um, I I explain things not only through faith but also also through quantum physics. And the first law of thermodynamics, and I know we've had this discussion many times, so I love talking to you, Lucy, because you, you totally get all this stuff, is that energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. And our soul, which I've termed the electromagnetic soul, because our soul is an energy field, um, energy doesn't die, it gets, it gets recycled. So when we physically die, our EMS, our electromagnetic soul, quantum leaps into another dimension. Now, that may be the other side of the heaven dimension, but at some point, it's going to come back and attach to a new host, meaning a fetus, to begin a new life cycle. And this is, according to the, the billions of people who believe in reincarnation, who've been studying this for thousands of years, is absolutely nothing to be afraid of. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, I mean, th this is a topic, and we could probably do part one, part two, part three, part four, and just keep going. Um, so this is a new book for you, correct, that you're doing on reincarnation? Um, I wrote about reincarnation in, in my book, Evidence of Eternity, and I do reference it in my latest book, The Afterlife Frequency, although I'm going to be giving, I've been re, um, asked by a couple different organizations to give lectures on reincarnation. I'm giving one at Body, Mind, and Soul of Houston in um, October of, of this year, and then the Edgar Casey Association for Research and Enlightenment asked me to be the keynote speaker at the Reincarnation uh, Summit in May of 2024. So, excuse me. So, I'm I've been developing um, all my all my lectures are colorful PowerPoint presentations, and because I want to bring to life what I'm talking about, I just want to stand up there and like, blah, 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 blah. you know, I want people to to see and and um, to understand what my theories on energy are. But in the past 50 years, starting at the University of Virginia's um, Division of, um, excuse me, Department of Perceptual Studies, Dr. Ian Stevenson, he is a metaphysical rock star. Mm -hmm. Dr. Stevenson <clears throat> applied the scientific method 
to reincarnation. And he avoided religious discussion. He said he found no evidence of karma, but that, that's that's his opinion. Um, and he uh, concentrated mainly on children. Now, he died in 2007, but his successor, um, Dr. Um, James, I'm going to say Walker. I think it's Dr. Walker. He is, grew, grew up in a born-again Christian family, and he's a child psychologist. But then he started seeing all these cases that really defied explanation. And I'd like to talk about one of them, if I could. Sure. We have about 10 minutes, maybe a little less. So let's uh, maybe do it with that. Ryan Hammonds was born um, just outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma, to a conservative Baptist family. And at age four, all of a sudden, he started talking about directing movies. And he kept saying, action! And his mother was like, well, what are you talking about? And one day he said, I think I used to be somebody else. I think I lived in Hollywood. And he said, and I had a big house, and I lived on a street with the name Rock in it. And I had a swimming pool and I was married five times and I was really rich. And then I used to dance on Broadway. But then I worked at an agency where people changed their names. And and he kept going on and on. And his mother, Cindy, you know, she I've seen interviews with her and she said, you know, we're Baptist. This isn't something we knew anything <laughs> about. And so she started keeping track of it. And she had a list of 230 things. And so. Then one day she and Ryan were flipping through this book about of old Hollywood. And there was a picture of a scene from a 1932 Mae West movie. And also Ryan goes, that's me. And he pointed to this guy in the picture. And then he pointed to somebody next to him and he goes, oh, that's my friend, George. It turned out to be actor George Raft. Well, Cindy tried to find who is this guy her son was pointing to. Couldn't do it. They contacted a film historian. The guy said, he's some uncredited extra. I can't find him. Anyway, the research, um, the this got the, um, the film historian really, really interested. So he started examining, and he found out that this guy was indeed an uncredited extra, and his name was Marty Martin. He began his career dancing on Broadway, then he left to become an actor. He was only ever in one movie, which was as an extra. Didn't even have any lines. Um, he lived on, remember the street with the name Rock on it? Okay, he lived yeah, on yeah. Roxbury Drive in Beverly Hills. He was married five times. Um, he, everything Ryan said was going right down the list. And then they brought in Dr. Um, uh, Dr. James Walker. And so he started um, analyzing all of this. And Ryan um, also said, I died when I was, he said, why does God make us live to be 61 and then make you come back and be a baby again? So he kept saying that he died at 61. Um, oh, also he founded the Marty Martin talent agency where people changed their names because that was Hollywood. I mean, Tony Curtis's name was actually Bernie Schwartz. Um, oh. Harry Grant's name was Archie Letch. 
Judy Garland was Francis Gum, you know, because those names aren't, you know, uh, Marilyn Monroe was Norma Ray Jean, or you know, so so, but but th- th- this is a little kid saying all this, right? But the the clincher came with he said he was sixty one. Well, Dr. Um, Dr. Walker, he found the birth certificate of Marty Martin and he sees a glaring error, said he was 59. But then, being a professor, he looked at it and he saw the dates that Marty Martin was born in 1904 and died, um, no, 19, yeah, not, it, 1904 and died i think in 1965 they wrote the wrong age down marty martin was actually 61 when he died oh my goodness wow yeah and i've got other examples but i just want to give the audience um a taste of, of what's coming with my lectures and also um with with the study that's being done on reincarnation now um, I, like I said, I got a lot of cool stories, but that one I think is just really, really interesting. And the reason that um, Ryan Hammonds comes to the forefront is because out of all the case studies, he has between his mother keeping track and what Dr. Walker's been able to, to verify, he has the longest list of objectively verifiable facts. And there's a number of things that he brought up that you know simply they they haven't been able to verify and by the way marty martin did have three sons just like he said he did oh my goodness um i mean it's just such a fascinating area because there is so much history and you know attaching the biblical part of it to the modern day way that we can do things i mean you know 200 years ago you wouldn't have been able to prove any of that it would have all been just hearsay right yeah now we we have the benefit of this and you know there's there's people that say oh well you know the the parents are obviously manipulating the child for all of this and and um look these are very honest people i mean ryan hammond's father is a police officer his mother works at the clerk's office these are good you know they're good baptist people and you know you don't when you start going around saying I lived before and all this, it brings a lot of attention and a lot of it that isn't real positive. I mean, there's been people who claim reincarnation and, you know, you get all but, you know, the, the lynch mob on your, your front lawn. Um, you know, I've, I've um, dealt with a lot of people that talk about prior lives and it's very emotional and very upsetting. But see, now, though, that these are coming out into the light, more people are beginning to come forward. It's like myself, you know, being a psychic medium and talking about seeing spirits and people 20, 30 years ago would, would consider me certifiable. But now I'm being studied at uh, the University of Arizona's Laboratory for Advanced Consciousness and Health and, and in other institutions. And they're like, man, this guy can't make this stuff up. You know, right. because now the scientific method is being applied to this. And the right. thing is, people are afraid of these things because we fear what we don't understand. We fear the unknown. But the only way to conquer that that fear, because fear has its roots in ignorance, is to replace the ignorance with the light of understanding. That's so, true. 
Yeah. Um, I always tell people, you know, the acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real. And, you know, keep that in mind because anything you're afraid of, it's just because you don't understand it. Mark, our show is already over. Please let people know very quickly um, where they can find you. And of course, it's always going to be on the synopsis as well. Certainly. Um, my book, The Afterlife Frequency, guess what? My website is afterlifefrequency.com. And uh, we'll talk about a number of the concepts and also the history of hell and spirit communication. But please visit my website, afterlifefrequency.com. And you can find out about signing up for a reading with me. And also, I invite you to sign up for my newsletter as well. And as always, Lucy, I just love being on your show. And I look forward to next time. You bet. Uh, it'll happen uh, after the first of the year. And in the meantime, you go out there and make everything your best life. I know you do. And hopefully people will share this show with their friends and their neighbors and their family members and be in touch with you. So thank you again for being on the show. And everybody, please make this your very best life. Boomers Forever Young is really making a name for themselves as an exciting nutritional company with products that really work. People from all over the country are starting to take notice. Their whole person approach to health and wellness, combined with their unique array of powerful natural health products, are setting them apart from all the other companies in the nutrition industry. Their customers love the one-on-one -on -one free consultations and the results they experience. Sound a little too good to be true? Then go online to boomerboost.com today and sign up for a free consultation with a product specialist or just give us a call at 1-800-861-4609. Again, that's boomerboost.com or call 1-800-861-4609 to join the thousands already experiencing the benefits of Boomers Forever Young products.